Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite and I'm going to be your host today. And we are joined with some awesome guests all the way from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. We have Miss Mary Sally Santiago. Hello, hello. Hello, and Father DeLacy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us here. All right, today's going to be an amazing show because we've got East Coast Philly people in the house, and you know when that happens, it gets spicy. <laughs> so, uh, Father, could you open us up in prayer? I'd be, I would love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for all the gifts that you give to us. We thank you for making us your beloved children. We ask that all that we say and do be in accordance with your will and for your glory. And we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. So if you're joining us for the first time, this show is all about equipping us for the work of mission, right? Because we don't want to be people who just worry about Damascus. We want to be people who think about beyond Damascus. So St. Paul had this incredible conversion on the road to Damascus where he encountered the living God, and that encounter experience is absolutely critical to the Christian life, but it doesn't stop with the encounter. Beyond Damascus is about encounter meeting mission. And after Paul had this conversion on the road to Damascus, he was equipped and prayed with by the holy ones in Damascus, and he was sent on into mission where he took the gospel to the nations, and not just to uh, those who weren't going to reject him, but he took them to the Gentiles, to kings, and he really truly brought the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's our call, that when we encounter him, we become missionaries for him, and so we're we're you know we we have a few missionaries here today, right? It's uh, Father, you've been a priest for how many years? For eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yes. That is amazing. It's and Mary awesome. Sally, how how long have you been working in the church? Oh my God! Officially, unofficially, volunteer you've since been I was volunteering for like ever since I was sixteen years old. Okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's been quite some time. I'm not afraid to say I'm. 40, I'll be 46 this year, so there you go. There you go. Nice yeah. round number, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so round that up, 30 years, right? There you go. Right, that's amazing. <laughs> and so you guys have both encountered Jesus in powerful ways, clearly, right? Because you're you're living life as his disciples. Father, do you want to share how you've encountered him and how he changed your life and convicted your heart? Awesome. And I, I in my mind, I was, according to the phrase, the, my Damascus moment, when, uh, yes. when I first encountered our Lord in a way that changed my life. So CYO is really big out in Philadelphia. I know it's big in other places, and it stands for Crush Your Opponents. Not always yeah, yeah, the yeah, most yeah, faith-filled yeah, experience, yeah, nah. <laughs> as opposed to Catholic Youth Organization. Yeah, they're well, about the same. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I, as soon as I graduated high school, in my college years, I was a high school coach for the the, the high school volleyball team, co-ed. And uh, this one day, we were in um, the championship. Now, my whole spirituality up at that point, I was a practicing Catholic, have great parents, and they really gave me the faith in a beautiful way, but I was definitely lukewarm and going through the motions. So for this one day, we're in the championship, and the only time I would pray was when I was playing sports and I needed help with a foul shot, oh, yeah. or I was taking a test and I needed help for getting the grade. Like, and, and Asking you shall receive, exa- right? Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then that hey, was it. Hey, hey. <laughs> and, then, and then I would take credit for it when I got the A. Oh, I did a great job, as opposed yeah. to like, thank you. total mess yeah so i prayed that day i'm like god help us to win but 
you know, it, it was really the first time that I prayed and I really opened my heart to God as I prayed. I'm like, Lord, you know, these kids, you, you know, their challenges, you know, their struggles, they, they need to be part of something positive in their lives and that type of thing. Essentially, I was praying, help us to win. But that wasn't the big deal. The big deal was I opened my heart to God and I have what, what, what spiritual writers would talk about, just total consolation. I was in my manager's office on my internship, working at the computer, praying, and there I had this amazing encounter with God where it just felt like the whole room was enveloped with his presence and I was experiencing joy and wow. it was awesome. And I remember even getting nervous, like people are going to walk by the office and see I'm with God and like they're going to think I'm slacking off or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that moment passed, but then it left me hungry. And then the next time I had that total consolation was in the context of a charismatic prayer meeting. And that caused me to kind of stay because I thought it was weird. But then it caused me to stay. And then I, I was set on fire and formed for mission and, and then eventually answered the call to the priesthood. Yeah, that's awesome. So we have some some charismatics uh, that watch our show. And, uh, you know, I, I always like to say we want to be charismatic, not crazy-matics, right? There's, so there's <laughs> yes. a lot of crazy-matics yes. out there. And you're just like, okay, I want nothing to do with these people. But So what was that uh, charismatic experience oh, like for well, you? I have to share this story, too. So it's one of my favorite stories. Mary Sally knows it. So right before I actually went to the prayer meeting, um, you know, my pastor was doing something great at the time. He, he, the sacristan at the parish was dying of cancer, had no family. The pastor brought him into the rectory to take care of him while he was on hospice. And he would go out every Wednesday night to a prayer meeting and he would have me come to, to watch him. So this one day he was, come, he came back from the prayer meeting. Now I knew nothing about praying in tongues. I never heard of the concept. I knew at Pentecost that, you know, you know, the apostles could speak in every tongue, but I didn't know that I, and I was like 20, 21. So nice. I was a little bit of a punk then. I've grown out of it yeah. since. Oh, so yeah. you're, well, you're still a punk. There's remnants. So he's like, why don't you come back with us and we're going to go pray over Jim. So we, we go back, he lays his hands, he starts praying in prayer tongues. Well, being the punk that I was, I wanted to contribute to the prayer. So as soon as he finished praying, I added yabba dabba do. <laughs> <laughs> So I got the dirtiest look from him. <laughs> that was the moment you were called to the priesthood. Yeah. <laughs> so fast forward, I, I Catholic guilt, right? Yeah. You know, so I was guilty for, for being a knucklehead at that point. When he asked me to go to the prayer meeting a couple months later, I'm like, oh, I owe him one. So I'm going to say yes and go and that type of thing. And when I was there, I, I was overwhelmed. I, I it, There was an enthusiasm that I thought the church should have that I saw represented in the prayer group, but I also thought it was weird at first. Yeah. But I had that encounter with God when I was praying for the win in the volley. By the way, we, we won the championship. That wasn't the most like, important detail. How did the story end? <laughs> <laughs> a championship that ultimately meant nothing, really. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. You yes. There's no real glory at the end. Because <laughs> you weren't even on the varsity basketball. <laughs> 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 I didn't make the varsity. So <laughs> true. So true. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I was uh, at this prayer meeting, I just had that that same, you know, consolation, which which then in that context they would refer to as an anointing, where I just yeah. kind of felt the presence of God. I felt the Holy Spirit kind of stirring. It was almost like a 
physical reality to me at, yeah. at that moment, but then starting in my heart and then through good teachings and that type of thing, I start to, to commit to a daily holy hour and then just things took off wow. after that. I so. love that. I love that. I, I, I like how you say there is almost a physical reality because I think sometimes we're afraid to talk about that in ministry, but the I always say baptism in the Holy Spirit is a tangible sign of the Father's love for you. And when when a father loves their child, it's not just with words of affirmation, but there's often the physical affirmation as well, that like a father embraces their child for them to feel loved. A father speaks words of kindness and affirmation. And, and, and when you are loved by your father, when you experience the Father's love, you're filled with, as you said, these this insane constellation of peace and joy and love. And that that is baptism in the Holy Spirit, that when the Father's love becomes real internally and sometimes physically, that is that moment where the Holy Spirit has become alive in you again. Yeah. And that sense of like, you're a beloved child of God, God delights in you, and, and that God has a, an amazing plan for you because we're all amazingly special. That un opening up of that was just such a, a powerful transformation, healing, and, and it's then set you on a trajectory of, of yeah. just awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And I like how you say, then you start going to holy hours, right? Because that encounter always leads to some kind of action, right? And so if it's an authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit and with the Father's love, I'm going to do something about that, whether it's diving deep into prayer, going to adoration, all of that. So that's so amazing. And uh, you work day to day with uh, Father, right, Mary Sally? He's your boss. He is he, my he, boss. He's an intimidating boss that never stops smiling, oh. right? Oh, I know. He'll, yeah. ki he'll kill you with kindness. If you don't like teeth, then this is not the place for you to be. Because <laughs> he's smiling all the time. So it's like, if you don't like teeth, this is not, you know. Yes, yes. Like, ah. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's awesome. That's it's a fun office. And that joy has really remained with you, right? Since that moment in the manager's office. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been it's been amazing. And and even, you know, it's it goes beyond external challenges because there's there's been a, a lot of challenges my father passing away going in the seminary is not easy ups and downs in formation you know as a archdiocese of philadelphia has had some challenges right? absolutely yeah. we became ground zero for the scandal for yeah. a couple of years but 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 our our lord is is bigger and and when you're walking with him that interior peace and joy it, it it's it goes beyond what the external experience is because you're you're with god and and the whole world could be on fire around you in a negative way, um, and and you can still be peaceful and joyful, and 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 really it imitates Jesus because like, you know, on the cross he was experiencing the fullness of peace and the fullness of joy because he was doing the Father's will and he was bringing about our salvation. Was it pleasant? No, but in his interiority where he was with the Father, was it filled with with that that consolation and that that strength that comes from the Father? Absolutely, and then we're we're called to participate in that. All right, so I want to hear Mary Sally's conversion story, but we we do have a spiritual master with us. So I, I want to ask Father, when when you're in your life, in your spiritual life, experiencing desolation, how do you press through that desolation and and, and return to consolation? Mm, so true. I I think there's a there's a couple things. One. Um, constancy and consistency is just such an important virtue to cultivate. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, there's, when we're going through that, you know, we're all interconnected and, and there, we're, we're the body of Christ. So 
when we're identifying a time of desolation, that might be our Lord allowing it for the benefit of other people as we intercede, that we may be experiencing a sorrow and that type of thing. And God may be allowing the faithful to experience that because people out there need you to kind of understand what they're going through and praying with them and interceding for them and kind of standing in the gap. So they're, 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 it's not wasted, and that can be very powerful. I also think, too, during the, those times of dryness, that faithfulness that we, we are engaging in, that teaches us more sometimes than the times of consolation. We're growing in 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 virtue. We're 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 growing in in trust. The consolation in and of itself is not faith, and we're supposed to be a people of faith. So God does sometimes withdraw consolation, and that's actually part of growth. You actually may be advancing. Sometimes you, uh, initially we think, "Oh, I'm doing it wrong, right? I felt so great before, and I don't have this great feeling. I must be doing it wrong." But no, we're, we're actually doing it right. And God is then bringing us to the next chapter in this sense of our faith journey and help and helping to cultivate faith where faith is, we don't have any physical feeling of God, right? No, the senses are not telling us that God is there, but we know in our heart with certitude that God is there and that he loves us. And so that's the, you know, so those times of desolation are, are in some sense the more important times. Now, now we, we never want to kind of seek that if God's giving us consolation, enjoy it and stay yeah. there and, and don't leave Ride there. Ride that wave as long as consolation. Absolutely. Yes. There is no desolation in heaven. Woohoo! Thanks, <laughs> our Lord. Yeah, uh, yeah, amen. So, so, but then, so be, being consistent and constant and just, just, you know, knowing that 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 our Lord is there, receiving the growth that's possible, and then just kind of just know that if you weather the storm, you'll experience a time of consolation yeah. again. So. I love that. Well, and I think the uh, Ignatius says to act against it and that that pressing into prayer. But then also, I think just the way that I mean, I'm sure you're always smiling, you're always joyful. I'm sure that interiorly you're not always joyful, right? Mm. But to to even act against it in the exterior life, that I'm going to choose joy in this moment, which allows that Holy Spirit to transform the interior life in that as well. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts or check us out on youtube or your favorite podcast app we'll be right back with this episode after a short break hi this is dave vashers president of annunciation radio the scripture says when the word of god goes out it doesn't return void but accomplishes that for which it was sent we regularly hear from individuals whose lives have been dramatically changed as a result of listening to catholic radio Tell a family member, tell a friend, tell the whole world. Change your station, and it'll change your life. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. What a great grace it is to have the opportunity to use the airwaves for the honor and glory of God, to be able to talk to the hearts of individuals and meet them where they are in their relationship with our Lord, and also to encourage them forward. Women of Grace with Johnette Williams, Monday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio 
on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Guys, that was great. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Rewind that. Re-listen to Father DeLacy. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I, I really enjoyed that. All right, Mary sure. Sally, tell us, how did you fall in love with Jesus? Were you, uh, like, you you were volunteering already and mission-oriented as a 16-year-old. You weren't praying yabba-dabba-doo over people. <laughs> no. So apparently your spiritual life was way higher than Father's was <laughs> in your teenage years. So, yeah. so it what, was what not cartoon-based. Yeah, it was not cartoon-based. <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual exercises yes. of Scooby-Doo. Wait, no, who says yabba-dabba-doo? Is it that, is Scooby-Doo. It's Fred yes. Flintstone. Oh, no, Fred Flintstone. Oh, That's right. Yeah, there's a spiritual exercises of Fred Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally wrong spirituality. We were going with a spirituality of Scooby-Doo. It's yeah, actually Fred Flintstones. Okay. When I first started missionary life, it was kind of like Bam Bam. I was like, just like, believe and convert, believe and believe. Bam, bam, bam. And, but ironically, people didn't really receive that too well. <laughs> it took a while. Work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They keep just... They just keep getting knocked down. Yeah, they, no yeah. response. Oh yeah, the bam bam could work if you're like, praying for people in the Holy Spirit and they get knocked there down in the spirit. But yeah, no, it was more like me just being a jerk, <laughs> being a little too aggressive. But someone out there right now, I know it's going to develop a spirituality based on a cartoon. Yes. As long as it's based in Jesus, I think that could work. <laughs> I think you it know? Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, cradle Catholic, my mom. So I'm originally from Puerto Rico. My mom and my, I really got the faith. I would say my the matriarchs of the family. So my grandma was really the strength, passed it on to my mom, and then um, she passed it on to us. And so when when we were in the U.S., we were in a community um, where there was no ministering with young people. And so my mom, having had that background of pastoral juvenil back in PR, she's like, "Uh uh-uh, I have a teenage daughter, so I'm the oldest of three. She's like, she's 13 years old. And so she stepped right into it and kind of started something. So um, we were in Florida, so the Southeast is very much uh, engrossed um, with CEPI, the Southeast Pastoral Institute, who has a mm. very strong pastoral juvenile, so Hispanic youth and adult, um, ministry in the southern states. And so um, diocesan-wide, we were very involved with that. So at 16, you were able to go to the weekend retreat. And so that was my first weekend retreat. And I remember going in there, and I can't say specifically anything of the retreat that was yeah. just like, yes, I'm on fire. <laughs> but I think with me, God has been sort of um, like a creek. You know, it's just kind of this slow, but very certain, very, um, um, very, what is it? Direct, um, never ending, just water. Nice. You know, that just kind of continuously pours. Rivers of living there. water welling yes, up inside always, of you. <laughs> always, always. It's just been there. And so after the retreat, I was invited into leadership. So the retreats, there were maybe five adults. And when I say adults, I mean over 25 years of age. Everybody else was between 16 and like mid-20s nice. that ran everything. And I remember, um, so if I was going to say my first experience where I was like, yeah, that was beyond me. Um, almost like a, t- not necessarily like a full takeover, but almost like a takeover was, um, so <laughs> takeover of the Holy spirit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. So uh, it was interesting because they, you know, we would give the talks and all that stuff. So they're giving me, you know, their preps, they give you the kind of a script for you to create your talk and put it all together. And I remember, um, so part of the uh, process was whenever you were going to give a talk, you had to spend the hour before the talk at chapel. Nice. For the blessed sacrament and it was just you and i remember having at that point you know there were no ipads or anything so i had note cards index cards these little three by five cards that people used to have <laughs> and write notes on and i remember having my little stack and um just sitting there and sometimes you know i don't remember what i said or if anything at times i think i just sat there and just stared at him and uh, you know 
do your thing. Um, so it was my first time. I remember giving the talk and I just remember starting, you know, you think you're starting here and then there's the, now we're going to take a left turn. And so I'm flipping through my car, like where, where was that in the storyline that I was, um, going to say, and I remember going, right. I remember like it just went in all sorts of different directions. And, um, that was the first time that I'm like, yeah, this, he, mm. and, and there's something he has and somehow I'm channeling this and here we go. Um, and so that was my first time. I remember at the end of the day, so I, every evening, once we put everybody to bed, we would, um, the entire team would get together and review every single moment of the day, the talks, gift tips, notes, whatever it might be. And I remember just sitting there, just kind of like, I didn't even know, like, it, it's interesting because it's like this overwhelming sense that it wasn't all me. You know, you're in it, but something else was definitely present. Something else was definitely leading. And so there's this sort of quiet, just quiet. Like there's, yeah. I, there's no excitement. I don't know how to. I can't take credit for that. Yeah, it, that was awesome. Yeah, but I can't take credit. And just trying to like, yeah, and it, it, and it, it's like you don't even think of it that way, but you kind of process it. Like I'm just here. Yeah, you know, I was just here. Like this sort of quiet. I I have nothing to say about what just happened. And I remember everyone when they came to my talk, uh, you know, to review it, they were like what was that? You know, like everybody recognized it. And for me, it was just like, thank you. Like, I, like, I don't know what else to say. Um, so I think that was sort of that one moment out of many moments in my life that I can mark and say, you know, that helped me move to a different space. God allowed, as father was saying, allowed this desolation or whatever it might be to be able to move me or give me the opportunity to move to another space wow. with him. And so I, you know, I love that. That's how it's been. Two things that are highlighting in that story is, is just, first of all, wonder and awe. Like we don't, yeah. we, like the, the church needs to a renewed sense of wonder and awe, right? Like that we would experience when God works in us and works through us, like to sit back and to have that quiet of just like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you were amazing. And like, they, like wonder of all will, will truly inspire us to worship him more, right? When we're like, you're so amazing. I just want to love you more. But then also this idea that we can encounter him through mission. And I, I noticed in youth ministry so often that like, I would have like a, a young like leadership team, a discipleship team of leaders who like juniors and seniors in high school who would help run youth ministry. And sometimes like juniors would come to me or they would be like, well, I just don't feel like I'm holy enough yet to be on leadership team. And I'm like, wait, what, uh, 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 what point was Peter holy enough to be a disciple of Jesus and to, to minister along his side, right? Like the, that there, I mean, clearly if you're in grave sin, right, there's, there's an element of confession, but a lot of times this idea of that I'm going to grow in the, in holiness through the work of mission, that when I, when I put myself out there, the Holy Spirit it activates the gifts in me so I can encounter God deeper and deeper, which is really exciting. Yeah, and I'm and I think that experience marks for me the way in which I encounter ministering with young people. Uh, my husband and I have done ministry together, you know, since well, not always because I was not born with him, but um, but we've <laughs> always we've done ministry together. And this and he kind of came from the same. He was part of the same thing in Florida, even though I wasn't part of it anymore. So it's kind of an interesting how we ended up actually walking the same road wow. just at different times frames. And, um, and I think for me, that's always been my big thing where I'm like, you have to allow persons, you have to allow young people to act 
out their faith. It doesn't matter where in their space they are in their faith journey, because that's what allows you to really own it, to really know it um, by experiencing it. And um, I will say, like, for every single team that we have had in leadership, maybe not all of them because of life circumstances and things are walking the faith um, as you hope they would. Yeah. But every single one that is was part of leadership in some way, shape Absolutely. or form. And I think that is extremely formative. Um, and it just I, I really think it gives you that ownership of that and that um, that growth, as you say, we don't have to know it all to walk. Um, we just have to walk. Yeah. Amen. I love that. That's so good. So the the I didn't really introduce what your role in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia is at the beginning of the show. So, Father, you are the vicar. Okay, I wrote it down. It's, 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 the, the vicar right. of the Office of Faith Formation with Youth and Young Adults. Exactly yeah. right. Yep. yep. You like your business card must be like the size of an eight by eleven it piece of paper. It wraps around it. Actually, the title a couple times. I always I always love the title vicar as well. That just means like mm. you're like the man, right? Like what's what's the actual title of vicar mean? Yes. No, no, no. That's actually a neat thing. So Archbishop Perez is, is our ordinary in, in Philadelphia, great, uh, a great holy bishop and, and a powerful animator with uh, with youth and young adult ministry. Yeah, he loves so youth and young adult he, ministry. He's such a gift. So really, uh, as a vicar, when I am out ministering in youth and young adult ministry, because I, I'm not a vicar general, I'm a vicar specific in a sense to youth and young adult ministry, that he is vicariously present through my ministry. Wow. And I need to be intentional to be representing him, obviously, which I, I try to do so zealously. But when, when I'm present, as, primarily in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, um, it's, it's as if the bishop is there. So there's a certain blessing and I think powerful graces. It's, it's interesting stepping into this office um, that, you know, there's, there's particular graces that I've never had access to before. And I think it's because... It's it's flowing from and every priest ministry flows from their bishop, so that's yes. not brand new. But there there's a particular kind of like like avenue of grace that being a vicar has afforded me, and nice. so it's it's been a, a joy. It really. Well, welcome to Beyond Damascus. Today, our host is Archbishop Perez. <laughs> <laughs> so everything yes. actually the way you describe that's kind of the, what a Christian yeah. what Jesus is to the Christian right like yes. I'm a vicar of Christ in the world that, that. I, that he flows through me through baptism that I've died to myself and now I'm alive in Christ Jesus like that mystery of Paul like it's no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in me. I'm his representative, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, that's really and, and when Archbishop Perez gives the teaching on what a vicar is, because he, he, he's enthusiastic to have vicars, he, he always reminds people that he's better looking than I am. Oh, yeah, naturally. <laughs> naturally. Yes. I'm like, okay. I love that. That's, that's, that's the, perfect, the perfect example. Uh, and, and then you're, you are the director of the Office of Youth Ministry, right? Yeah, so what um, in our nomenclature's office for ministry with you. Oh, that's right. Office of ministry. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't look down on my paper. Oh, no, I it's okay. Have. Yeah. I know, I know. So, <laughs> and, and the idea behind it is to really accentuate that it's ministry with the youth. Yeah. It's not that we're here to give them what it's already in them. Mm -hmm. um, our, our role is to really walk with them and nurture that and allow them to see the Christ that's already in them and help them see that giftedness. So it's really a, a you know, that co-responsibility, that ministering with that it's a synodal thing, that it's yes. a familial thing, that it's all of us together as a body. Um, and that's hence that emphasis on the with. 
That's awesome. So Archbishop Perez was the wasn't he the chair for the USCCB for youth and young adult ministry at one point, or and, is he still? And he still is. He he just re-signed on in that role. So he's yeah, I, I don't know how long the commitment is, three more years or whatever. But so he's he's actively now. So he represents the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops for the for youth and young adult ministry, and you guys are called to exercise his ministry in the in the archdiocese that's that's no small challenge right no no, no pressure no i'm just kidding there's there is no pressure in ministry because his burden is light and his yoke is easy um and so kind of what what is your guys's heart or what are you bringing to your new office right or at least new positions like so you're this is your first year second year no, yeah. I, I've actually officially been in this position for just over one year. Now that there was there was some work that we were doing beforehand before the the position was created, yeah. but but it's 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 one year for me and and how long for you? Yeah, guys? it's a year and a half. Although that first half was really just it was the middle of pandemic twenty twenty, so it was really just kind of relationship building. But the office officially a year and a half. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm kind of obsessed with dreaming, right? And I, uh, so what is your dream for your positions? What do you want to see happen for the youth and the young adults in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia? Yes, yes. So, um, and and in my role, I, the, what falls under me would be CYO now, which is, yes, oh, yeah. you know, the I have a background in deep conversion <laughs> <Yes>. for so <laughs> many. <laughs> exactly right. And then also ministry with youth, ministry with young adults. Um, and the office of catechetical formation. So, and then, so I get a chance to work with the high schools and, and our colleges and, and it's so oh, wow. wonderful. It really is a, 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 a broad experience of the life of the church. Just before this, I was the vocation director for Philadelphia for the Dawson priesthood in particular. And so, and that was such a joy and, and it, and it helped me to kind of walk along with individuals who are seeking God's will and helping them to, to discern that and then growing the courage to, to say yes. I, and also, just importantly, to discern that they're not called to, if you know, <laughs> both are just as important. Well, I, I, I love the movement of the life of the church. Pope uh, uh, Francis has this amazing document called Christus Vivid. Uh, Mary Sally's really very much an expert on it and is catching me up to speed to, for, for clarity. She's an expert at everything. She's I'm, all, learning. I, yeah. I'm just a jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. What is it? One, one of those that knows a lot about things, but not an expert on any one thing? Jack of all trades, master of none. But, yeah. but that's, that I, I, that was just the clarification of the quote. That's not Mary Sally. She's a master when it comes to youth ministry, <laughs> for sure. Um, so in, in that role, though, I, I developed a passion for helping people to discern God's will. And, and in Christus Vivit, the Pope, you know, two key components of, amongst, you know, like seven or eight others is that all ministry with the young church needs to be vocational, helping everyone, not just priests and religious, discern their vocation, helping everyone to know what plan has God made you for, and then to get, give the tools to, to discern. So discernment and vocation are integral to that. I think because of my role as vocation director, when Archbishop Prez, knowing Christus Vivid so well as he does, I think he thought I was a good fit to bring this about. And it certainly is the passion that I bring to just, because if, if the whole church is doing God's will, wow, every problem in the world will be solved. Every problem in the church will be solved. Life will be amazing. And and so it's it's a it's a joy to, to to help making steps towards this happening. I love that. That's amazing. What it, maybe Mary Sally, maybe you can share a, with us what is Francis's gems like what what is the goal that in Christus Viva and then and what is your dream for the youth of Philadelphia? So the first goal that I love to shout out into the mountains is see how he continuously calls the word like 
He doesn't use the word too many times, but when he does it, it's so powerful. The protagonism of youth, how youth are capable of leading. They're capable of sharing the gospel with others. They are the ones that will change the world. Yes. And I think for me, that is instrumental and central to all of the document because really everything else is about us assisting them and walking with them in that process. But it's really about empowerment. It's really about help for us to help them see that as baptized, they are called to transform the world in the same power that Pope Francis has, in the same power that any of us has, that that actually exists within them. And I think for me, that's like the biggest gem out of all of it. Um, let I like, them I like be. to just praise the Lord when I hear something good. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I agree so much. Like that is, we always say that we have this, this core value of believing in the potential of the youth. And I feel like our culture is lost. Like they just don't believe in the potential of the youth anymore. And there's this like prolonged adolescence, right? Where, and we almost mm. like, we, we do this in the church too, where we just like prolong this, their adolescence where it's like, well, we're just going to feed you and feed you. Even in young adult ministry, I'm like, at what point are we going to call the young adults to like the work of mission, right? Because so often so many young adult ministries are just consumeristic where like, just come and receive, come and receive. And it's like, well, you don't like young adult ministry should be young adult missional work, right? Mm. Like you are the church and and even, yeah, the, the Francis and John Paul II, that this idea of just like, yeah, the young church has the ability to be Christ in the world and that they're not the future of the church. They are the church today. Yes. And that's huge. Um, you know, I, I hear that and, and I'm always, uh, I kind of cringe because I'm like, when I was 16 years old, since then I've been hearing that I was the now of the church. Yeah. And so for me, it's not a new concept. I've always been told that, um, that I could do it, that I am capable, that I am able. And I had adults, um, that allowed me to exercise that, which is the biggest yeah, part, exactly. right? It's one thing is for me to know my role in the church. The second is for those around me to allow me to exercise that. Yes. Um, because so many times we could be, instead of the catalyst for movement, we could be the walls that kind of hold things back. And yeah. so that's, such um, a good that's point. yeah. And that for me, that's huge. When do your, do your teens, do your youth know who they are in Christ as the protagonists are called to be. And number two, do you allow them to be that? Yeah. I think a lot of times uh, the, cause that's, it's such in my heart to equip young people for mission. And, um, I I've been evaluating like, why, why don't we do it? And I think a lot of times it's one, uh, a lack of trust, uh, this fear that they're somehow going to mess up. And it's like, just get over it. Like they are going to mess up and it's not going to be perfect. And their theology isn't awesome. But, and I, I, you know, like sometimes I'll even tell priests, right? Like, like you just have to be okay with that. Like it's part of the learning process. You weren't awesome at CYO the first year you went out, right? Like it takes, there's, there's like, but as long as I accompany them and, and walk with them, then I can coach them and build them up. So there's that lack of trust. But I also think there's like, um, I've noticed a lot of the adults, they get their identity from their ministry as opposed to their identity for being sons and daughters. And so if I'm trying, yes. if I get my worth and my value from being the one that's doing the work and I get my worth and my value from like being the leader and being in charge, then I'm never going to give that away because that's mm -hmm. where my, my value comes from. And 
when your worth and your value comes from the father, then all you want to do, because what does the father do? He raises up sons and daughters. And so a father, when I have the father's love, all I want to do is raise up sons and daughters, raise them up, equip them for the work of ministry. But that kind of ties into, we had this conversation yesterday about spiritual motherhood and spiritual fatherhood. And our, our role is if I'm not here, because I won't always be, if I'm not here, can they continue this? And so my role should always be, I should not be needed. Exactly. And so I need to equip you to do what Christ is calling you to do, whatever that may be, as if I'm not around. One, because I won't always be. And two, because that's the way it is. I mean, it, the, the, our role is to really bring up sons and daughters, those that will continue to do the walk and walk on their own, walk with Christ, of course, um, but not dependent on me, because at that point, then it's about me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Okay. So that's the gold from Christus Vivit. Uh, and then what is like, kind of what is your, um, your dream for the youth in the archdiocese? Is it basically the same thing? Yes, it is. So I always <laughs> say that our office, um, I like to think of it as a two-sided coin. Um, one side is really the work with the adults, the work with those that are ministering now, the work with the pastors, the work with the communities to, uh, you know, first to recognize that those two things, right? That your youth are as much church as we, as, as Pope Francis, as all of us, and they have the capacity to do so and to, to allow them to do that and equip them and give them the tools to be able to walk with their youth. And then the second is for the youth to kind of take over. I really believe that, um, military takeover, right? Basically (laughs) we are the militant church. So there we go. Um, we are the militant church. So I really believe that transformation in the church in Philadelphia will come through the power of the youth. As we engage them, the church will be transformed. And so um, I'm really big on forming, equipping young people to take on the role that that they have been given and maybe we have not allowed them to discover yet. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday we were talking about this new initiative we're doing here at Damascus, the Youth Leadership Institute, and our goal is to help equip high school students to come up with a, um, a mission, we call it a mission project, where they define what is the particular mission. And I've there's like four spheres of engagement that a young person is called to, right? Their parish, their schools, their families, and their communities. And so what what's the mission that the Lord has for me? And one of these spheres of influence, and, and how am I going to act, actual, uh, actualize that over the course of the year? And then to accompany them on that work of mission. Uh, I love St. Paul. He says we have to equip the holy ones for the work of mission, right? And so how do we walk with them to equip them? And then, Mary Sally, you were talking about a ministry that you're familiar with that does the same thing. They call them passion projects, yes. uh, what, but there's, they're more social-oriented. What, what do they do? So it's called Center for Faith Justice. They are mm-hmm. based in South Jersey, and they're really about the work of justice. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, we might say service projects, but what they do is they really, they, they base it on immersion experiences so the young people can really understand not just what the issues are, but the systematic parts that come with it. And so they do something very similar after this immersion experience, they are equipped to begin what they call their passion project. And so their passion project is, okay, so what is it that I am called to do in terms of a work of justice? So it's very similar. It's the same thing, just the work of, in terms of the justice 
portion of faith, whatever you want to call that. Um, however, that's defined. Yeah. But um, I mean, they've had teens. I remember there's a couple of parishes that was in the Archdiocese of Newark before Philadelphia. And there were a couple of parishes that were engaged in their program. And one parish, um, it was it's a primarily Hispanic parish. And these teens that went to this program came back with a project to help um, educate the congregation, which was their family members, their friends, etc., on their rights, because this was at the moment when um, ISIS was coming into homes and people were scared and they saw that in their families, that their mm. parents, their uncles, they were scared. And they were like, we have to we have to let them know what what what's right and what's not right in this situation. And so they put together an entire learning process for people to come and to learn what their rights were, what um, what they were able to do, what they were not, where they could get help, etc. And these were like a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old. I mean, they were like from the thir- the ages of 13 to 15 yeah. years old. And if it gets planted in their adolescence, it's going to remain in their adulthood, right? That it's a, you're ingraining a, a missional habit in their lives that will will remain for with them and for them. And that's where our future lay ministers, our future priests, our future religious are going to come from. So you said you, you had more seminarians than any other diocese in the country. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, what was like? What was your technique, or what did you do to kind of grow uh, vocations in the archdiocese? So it, you know, and one thing that that Pope Francis, we were talking about Christus Vivid a lot. So a lot of it is personal accompaniment, yeah. just walking with the man, mm. and 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 even. Um, and and being gentle with them, like you know, not not having a timeline of like, oh, we have to get them in the seminary this fall because we need numbers this fall. It's just like, nope, we're on God's time, and 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 you know, it, the my time is secondary. It's God's time first. This person's time second in terms of what what he needs. And so walking with them, you know, from my own experience, um, I know how powerful the holy hour is. So really, and I say this, if for anyone who wants to know what God's will in this their life is. If you do a daily holy hour and pray a rosary daily, foolproof plan. I don't know anyone that can mess that up because yeah. I, I, that's how I found my vocation and I can mess a lot of things up. So that's like yes. almost the foolproof way. So I would encourage the guys to do that. And in my personal accompaniment, a lot of times it was just simply supporting them in maintaining the holy hour and the daily rosary wow. and encouraging that. And and because it's letting Mary teach us how to say yes and how to receive the grace. And then Jesus, you know, what's in his heart starts to resonate in our heart when we spend that quality time with him. And then all of a sudden we just come to know what, you know, what his plan is for us. And it's, it's, it's powerful, it's peaceful, it's joyful, it's healing wow. and that type of thing. So I also saw in, in all <clears throat> ministry, there's always a healing component. I actually, you know, was, it was, vocation work, it was actually more healing than helping with discernment. And every guy that would see me, because there, there are a bunch of guys that show up and you know from day one, like, we're not going to continue on this journey, but you can always set them on an other path. Um, and so so it's everything is always healing. Every component of ministry is healing. So walking with men, helping them to heal, it actually makes them zealous then to invite others into the process. And so they become a, a recruitment component in, in what's what's taking place. And then, the, you know, there is also then the, the, the time for exhortation. A lot of times, you know, 
we suffer with a great deal of perfectionism. And, and that perfectionism causes us sometimes not to start, you know, and, and you were ministering to that powerfully, Dan, with what you were saying earlier. God doesn't wait, need us to be perfect. He doesn't, he's not waiting for us to be perfect. And so often we think, I just have to become perfect, and then I can do this. And guys who want to go in the seminar, they're like, I just want to simply be, have perfect prayer and perfect knowledge of theology before I go in the, well, like, what's the seminary for then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and God's calling you now, and there's a bit of, like I call it, bumper sticker theology you know, God doesn't call the most qualified. He qualifies those who's calling. So when he, at the time he's calling us, we're not capable of doing the thing. I know he said it before, but I think it's worth emphasizing. But then as we are pursuing it, he gives us the grace. He gives us the formational opportunities and, the, and that type of thing. So, so is that accompaniment, lead them in prayer, teach them how to pray. And I think this translates very well to youth ministry, young adult ministry too. We need to teach our people how to pray. They, yes. they, they don't know how to. We're generations away from a lively devotional life in the families. And so if we're not the one teaching them to pray, they're not going to learn how to pray. Yep. And, and when they know how to pray, they know God and they come to know his will. And then, you know, then, and the strength and the, the joy that comes from that, you know, just flows from there. So, wow. Yeah. I love that. Boom. That's good advice. Write that down. If you're discerning holy hour and the rosary, we have out the window, we have, um, our Marian grotto and it has the statue of Mary mother of the Eucharist. And I, uh, St. John Bosco, the patron of youth, he had a vision, and in that vision, the, the church was this boat, right? And and, and the Lord told the um, John Bosco that the church would be safe in the midst of all the storms of the world and all the storms in the church if uh, if the church remained between the two pillars of the Eucharist and the Blessed Mother. And, and that's kind of our heart, that if we want to bring the young church into revival, we have to bring the young church into revival through these two pillars of Mary and the Eucharist. And if we want to bring our own like soul into revival, those two pillars of Mary and the Eucharist. I love that. That's so good. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. St. Hildegard of Bingen was a mystic, an abbess, a botanist, a saint, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. Hildegard had her first visions at the age of three, which she called the Shade of the Living Light. She later wrote about them in works declared by St. Bernard of Clairvaux to be from God. Pope Benedict XVI agreed when he named her only one of four Doctors of the Church who are women in 2012. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio 
on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. All right, Mary Sally, so you and I have been um, talking for a while just about kind of how to uh, how to get more of Damascus, more summer camp ministry on the East Coast. So you guys are, are live here at Damascus, right? Where I always <laughs> I always like Saturday Night Live, live from New York. We should we should start with like live from Damascus, from, from Cinderberg, Ohio. Um, but but so we're live at Damascus. You guys came to visit to kind of see Catholic Youth Summer Camp for the first time. What's 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 been your experience and what's your heart for the Philadelphia Church with camp ministry? Why? it valuable um so we've seen what we've seen is amazing it's wonderful it really you can see that it is spirit-led it's definitely in between those two pillars or it's being held up by those two pillars which and it really comes from you know from yourself and from the entire team that um, all the missionaries to really live it to be incarnational with that and bring that out to towards the teens. And I think the incarnational aspect is what's really most prevalent and most beautiful um, and really what's making the difference. And so what I'm hope, what my, our hope, I guess, for, uh, for Philadelphia and really for the East coast and really for the church um, is that through Damascus, what's, what's beautiful, not just the incarnational nature, but that you get to live that for a couple of days. Um, that you get to be engrossed in it, that you get to be immersed in it. Because a lot of times it's really hard to hear the voice of God in the midst of the madness that exists all the way around. And depending on each situation, you know, Father, you were talking about um, the importance of individual relationship, the importance of individual walking with a young person. And so a place like this really allows that opportunity for them to unplug from whatever that is and really see that in action. Um, and one of my favorite things was really um, last night, it's really that that empowerment and that uh, embedding in their soul that you are capable and that you are able. And really that idea of we are on mission. We are baptized for the work of Christ, for the work of um, building his kingdom here, not tomorrow, but now. Um, and I think that's a message that we really need to, um, until the point where they actually believe it. Um, so I think that's what I'm most excited about. Um, I think, as you mentioned, um, there's a lot of ministry, but we do a lot of feeding and I'm like, well, that's great. But then that's what happens when they get to young adults. And there's such a, uh, just in the culture in general, this almost disbelief in commitment. Nobody wants to commit to anything. Nobody wants to work for anything um, kind of thing. And I'm like, well, if we're adapting that model, then there's a reason why we don't have a lot of growth or a lot of like that charge to, yes, I'm going to go pursue a particular vocation because I'm just lost in, I'm still needing to be fed. I'm still not there. I'm still not. It's like, well, we yeah, need to nurture walk, me right? forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, the, like, what is it? Basement. You yeah. Know, yeah. The helicopter. Yeah. It's like we we're made to, 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 help people grow so and let them go, right? They're not yeah. ours, they're his. Um, and so I think that's what I'm most excited about, to be able to give that message to the young people that you are capable, you have been given everything that you need at this moment for what he's calling you for right now. Yeah. Don't worry about whatever's going to come down the line. We're not there yet. Since we don't live there, we can only be here. Yeah. Um, the past, can't do anything about that. We're here He's with us right here, and whatever he's asked, calling you to right now, it's because you're able to do it. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. It's so rich like to see the fruit of when the Holy Spirit convicts a heart for mission, what comes, a young heart, right? 
Okay, so Father, yesterday you were talking about how Archbishop, his desire is to form kind of like a uh, missionary culture in the archdiocese, and he's bringing in different missionary communities, and we're talking about like how we can get more missionaries to Archdiocese of Philadelphia. What have you What have you seen with this stirring up of the missionary culture in Philadelphia, and and what do you see in the missionary culture here at Damascus? Why Why is this important in the church today? So so very important, um, and and I, I think starting with Damascus, one one beautiful component of our reorganization in Philadelphia is that. You know, starting from day one, you know, students that are in CCD, our schools, you know, will be hopefully effectively handed off to other other ministries. So then that way there, there's a continuity. Unfortunately, in terms of membership, it's not all about counting the sheep, but but you, we also want to keep our family together, you know, at one level. Um, we bleed out membership. It, you know, when people graduate CCD, you know, their parents don't continue them to youth ministry and, and engagement and that type of thing. And, and you can see that at every moment in the in the spectrum. That's why, like, one of the beautiful things about Damascus is, you know, it's, it's a powerful encounter with our Lord and a systematic handing off from one age category to the next so that you can sign up as a middle school student remain in high school there's 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 ways to keep connected in college and beyond yeah. as as missionaries and and that is just so so important and so valuable um, that a lot of times we silo ministries and there's no connection whatsoever and then we cut somebody loose and we're just like good luck with everything where I, the church I think we're called to be much more intentional in that regard and so your model is is really powerful what you're doing you know for in this camp model we're hoping to do with with mm. all of our ministries leading everyone then into like full-blown mission in the in the life of the church love that so we're bringing in these missionary groups and and we're we're hoping a, a lively connection with Damascus in the future to to just kind of infuse a vision of what missionary activity looks like at home a lot of times you know, we're, we, we still have kind of the old culture and the old tradition of thinking of, oh, yeah, well, missions, you, you go to a foreign country, you don't do it at home. But obviously, we're, we're the, one of the most critical mission fields in the, in the whole world today because of the influences of secularization and, and every other thing that I'm sure you've talked about before here. Um, and so we need uh, you know, to model what missionary life looks like for, for our brothers and sisters, especially for the young church. Uh, and so as we bring more missionaries in, and there's a whole variety of, of missions, you know, we're about to bring Christ in the city, which is ministering to the homeless population. Such a good missionary program. Amazing. We have the culture project that's taking the theology of the body and the teachings of the church and trying to infuse sexual inte integration in integrity, sexual in integrity in, in our young church. And Incredible. So important. And we have Generation Life, which is a huge pro life group already there. So a uh, bag of on ministry, you know, inner cities. So and it keeps going on and on. Focus for our college campuses. So and and each each are demonstrating what particular charism is, and and you know there's a there's enough variety that you know everyone everyone has many charisms at least one, but most most people have many charisms. And then when you see it activated in a mission, you know, that resonates in your heart and that can be powerfully compelling and moving when you see that at work. And then, so we're hoping that each missionary group where it's still new ish, but we, we've seen from the missionary groups that we have there that like-minded people are drawn to them and then are transformed by them and, and just great fruit takes place. I love it. This is going to be a great like uh, experiment for the church because we, we like to talk a lot here at Damascus with our missionaries at the church, I mean, John Paul II and Benedict the Sixteenth. they said 
the the church is um, the charismatic dimension of the church is coessential with a hierarchical dimension. And what they what they were referring to is the hierarchical dimension, the the diocesan priesthood, uh, the the diocesan infrastructure, the 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 sacramental life of the church, the sustaining life of the church. That's the hierarchical element, and then the charismatic element is just the the new movements, the new waves of the Holy Spirit, the missional uh, vibrancy of the here and now. That they're coessential and they work together and they collaborate together, and both need each other. And the I, I see that in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, this idea that the lay movements, the these the, these movements of the here and now are. Uh, joining with the 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 lasting and the 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 structure of the power of the church in Philadelphia, an anchor of like Catholicism in America, and you see the two coming together. And what God's going to do with that, with that like mindedness, that harmony, is is just really exciting. I can't wait to see what God does in in your ministry through the work of your hands. I love your faith and, and the way you're so open to the Spirit. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.